0: Today's scripture is Mark 9:38 through 50. Another exorcist. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. Temptations to Sin If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is our faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God.
1: Let us be in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and loving God May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you our rock and our Redeemer and May we like Samuel cry out and say Speak Lord for we are listening Amen Our liturgist Pat Neal has just read Mark 9 A passage that reminds us that whoever is not against us is for us. Now, through the sermon, let's explore this challenging time when Americans are so divided and strive to remember that God has made us instruments of peace, never placing stumbling blocks before ourselves or others. Mother Teresa once said, if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. We belong to each other. Isn't that a beautiful way to think of loving your neighbor as ourselves? We belong to them. They belong to us. Their welfare is as important to us as is our own. Now that leads me to assert that the worst, the dirtiest, the vilest, four letter word I know is them, t-h-e-m, them. By that I mean the other, the one not like us whether that means our race, our political party, our economic status, our sexual orientation, or any one of a dozen other defining characteristics. You may know that sin is well described as separation from God. And logically it flows that sin is also that which separates us from our neighbor. So the key phrase in today's passage that addresses that sinfulness is whoever is not against us is for us. That's a tricky phrase. In fact, I heard a line in a movie this week that used it the opposite way. That's the more common way we hear it. Whoever is not for us is against us. And I even heard a podcast this week that was talking about this very passage where the reader, a seasoned pastor, stumbled over the passage because the common usage is that opposite way. Whoever's not for us is against us. But Jesus is recorded here as saying, whoever is not against us is for us. Jesus is calling us to community with others, others. In fact, especially with others. Throughout Jesus' teachings, he reminds us to be generous in grace to all of God's beloved children. Jesus is often imagined as a gentle person with flowing hair and a loose-fitting garment, picking up children, spouting words of kindness and generosity. But in this passage, he quite clearly condemns the sin of separation and judgment of others as less than worthy of our consideration. If you can, give me the next slide, please. Jesus doesn't pull any punches with these very serious statements. If we interfere with others' ability to experience the love of God, he says it's like a millstone about your neck thrown into the sea. He says if your hand is offending you, is sinful, is promoting this dissension between yourself and others, cut it off. He tells us to cut off our feet if they are promoting such sin. Tear out our eye. These are threatening words, but all the while, he is defending the children Who are the little ones that are referenced in this passage? The Greek word here in this passage is mikros, m-i-k-r-o-s, where we get the prefix of micro in English. You know, words like microwave and microscope and microphone. Funny enough, these English words are all examples of small things becoming amplified It's not a description of the thing itself, or its value. Microwaves, small waves, energize water molecules in food to heat them up. Microscopes use strong lenses to help human eyes see small objects. And people speak into a microphone to amplify quieter sounds. When you hear micros, don't just think about the smallest of a thing. Think about the ways we can amplify and witness that thing in a more accessible way. Micros can refer to size, or age, or time, or quantity, even rank or influence. It is found elsewhere in Mark 4 to describe the smallness of the mustard seed. Small things can become powerful. Mustard seeds, though small, are easily spread because they are small. Theologian Candace Simpson writes, but let's not get too metaphorical. Most of us think about children when we hear the phrase little ones. She says children are a protected class in Jesus' economy. He frequently speaks positively about children and prioritizes them in his healing work. So let's think about the ways that stumbling blocks are set in the way of children in today's world. Consider the children who are being surrendered to the mathematical likelihood of contracting COVID-19 because adults with power have presented themselves as stumbling blocks to children's safety in the pursuit of education in person in those public spaces where masks are optional, or worse, that mandates are forbidden. It is children who are paying the price. There have been school board meetings where anti-maskers have protested for their right not only to infect other adults, but to assume that children will inevitably contract the deadly virus. CBS News reported during the first week of September that children made up 22% of weekly U.S. cases as schools are opening up, because there is no consistent protocol for children in schools. And this is something that we as adults have choices to make, have stands to take, so that the children are not harmed. Experts have noted that the numbers of child COVID cases have increased nearly five-fold between August and September of this year, and this is mainly thanks to the highly contagious nature of the Delta variant, the more aggressive cousin of the first few strains of coronavirus. And because children are not yet eligible for the vaccines, it puts them and their families at risk. The Center for Disease Control, which has given contradicting information over the span of the pandemic, has recommended that schools prioritize in-person learning, and they have also recommended indoor masking for all people, as well as three feet of physical distance to reduce transmission risk. But in schools in these under-resourced districts, especially those that serve students of color, these mitigating measures are insufficient. How does one maintain healthy ventilation if you have no windows? How can children eat if they have no outdoor space? How can students get the help they need if there are more school safety agents on site than school nurses and guidance counselors? So you hear, of course, in this that Candace Simpson is talking about those places in the inner city where people of color have less grand buildings than we might hear in Concord. She completes her statement by saying, Jesus' warning seems less like a threat and more like a statement of fact. The more we place stumbling blocks before these little ones, the closer we are to our own demise. So let's look at that next slide. The passage shows a divide between people, between those casting out demons in Christ's name, but according to the disciples, not following them. So these people that we're talking about are following Christ, just not following the disciples. So the disciples say to Jesus, we tried to stop that guy because he was not following us. And Jesus admonishes them, don't stop him, for no one who does a deed in the power of my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me because whoever is not against us is for us. One of the best team-building strategies I know for a group of people is to face an external adversary rather than fight against each other. For instance, the weather when camping. Rather than to fight each other about which sleeping bag we should have brought, or you forgot the good knife, for the people to band together against a rainstorm or a windstorm. It inevitably builds those relationships and can lead to a lot of laughter. Politically and socially, we need to act with grace and generosity to those who may not be following us, but are following Jesus' way of good intentions and good deeds. One spiritual discipline that I find helpful is contemplating art. And so I'd like us to share an image to illustrate this idea of whoever is not against us is for us. So if we look at that next slide, Deborah, we see an image of two groups of people. They appear to be separated by an obstacle and in this case it's train tracks. There are logical reasons for what you are seeing in this photo. It is actually a train station in India. Some people are waiting for a train headed in one direction on one side. And some people are waiting for a train probably headed in the other direction on the other side. And the bridge is simply a simple way to get to the other side. But when we contemplate this photo as a spiritual exercise, we could focus on the obstacle. Think deeply about that obstacle going down in order to go up. We obviously know that we should not step onto train tracks. They are dangerous. But if we know that no train is coming, they are not insurmountable. In fact, if we needed to be on the other side emergently, we would certainly cross, such as to help those poor people in that Amtrak train collision in Montana last night. Returning to the picture for a moment, what spiritual characteristic might those tracks represent? Perhaps an opportunity to move in a new direction? The spiritual nature of those traveling in one direction or another might at first glance be bringing more separation and from each other. But what if we consider that they are actually moving towards something, perhaps to their homes and families? What about that bridge? Literally, we understand that it is built in a shape to accommodate the train passing below it. But one spiritual attribute might be that those stairs ascend, an idea that normally connotes heaven, or an aspiration towards something better and higher. They also carry the individuals towards the groups from which they are currently separated. Our aim should be to build bridges between ourselves and others, to find connections. Whenever we find ourselves in a group, it would be a helpful spiritual exercise to consider what we may have in common with others, rather than what separates us, what makes us us and them them. Think about what makes all of us us together. The folks who surround us likely have families and experiences, likes, and foods that we have in common and more. I know I was delighted this week to learn that someone who is a friend enjoys the same radio program that I do. And if we look at this next slide, we see that familiar um, piece of the scripture that talks about that cup of cold water. Jesus reminds his complaining disciples That truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink, because you bear the name of Christ, by no means loses the reward, thereby reminding them that our neighbor is to be loved just as we love ourselves, just as God loves us. And if we look at this next slide, because whoever is not against us is for us, and that us is Jesus and those who bear the name of Christ. I'd like to believe that it's a universal us, all of God's beloved children regardless of our race, our political party, our economic status, our sexual orientation, or any other dividing line. We should all be pulling in the same direction, transforming the world for good in the United Methodist Church, In the United States, do you notice those words both have the word united in them, those titles? The United Methodist Church, the United States, pulling in the same direction throughout the realm of God's goodness. The next slide shows a picture of people formed into the pieces of a puzzle. We can still maintain our beliefs and our individuality and belong to each other. One of the things those of us who participated in the liquid church study last summer discovered was that the church is a place where people can belong, and what people seek is belonging. When we affirm that we belong to each other and we accept others, we remember that we belong to each other. Anyone who has ever done a jigsaw puzzle knows that each piece has a place where it belongs. And for we puzzle-piece humans, that place where we belong is in God's loving church family. When I look at this, I think of Renee Zellweger's character in the film Jerry Maguire, You Complete Me, that we need all the pieces of the puzzle to come together to complete the puzzle. We are at our best when we come together and complement each other's talents and contributions. You bring a little of this. I bring a little of that. And you heard Miss Christina say, that salt is necessary to bring out the sweetness and to curtail the bitterness. So we look at this next slide about the salt. Jesus tells his audience in this passage to have salt in themselves, because if salt loses its essence, it cannot do its job of seasoning. He's telling us to remember our job. Wasn't it a Patriots mantra a couple of years ago? Do your job. To remember the essence of who we are as Christ's followers. That sentence following this one on the next slide describes that essence of who we are when Jesus reminds us to be at peace with one another. That next slide that shows be at peace with one another. Be at peace with one another. Do not forget that we belong to each other. May it be so. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift, amen.